Hello and welcome to our In the Zone podcast focusing on the COVID-19 vaccine effort. In this podcast, we hope to educate the public about how we decide how effective a vaccine is, as well as debunking various myths around vaccinations and vaccines, specifically in relation to the COVID-19 vaccine effort. I am delighted to be joined by Lisa Kirstead at PPD Laboratories, who will explore the importance of the vaccine development process. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, so first of all, uh, why are the most why are most of the vaccine candidates targeting the viral spike S protein? The, so the coronavirus spike protein is a glycoprotein and it's on the outside of the virus. And that mediates the ability of the coronavirus to enter into your cells, your host cells. So since the spike protein is exposed on the outside of the virus, it plays an essential role in the virus entry to host cells. Many of the vaccines are targeting this, this spike protein in order to prevent infection by blocking that entry into the host cell. So the virus can't actually get into the host cell to infect them. Right, and following on from that, how do vaccine-induced antibodies prevent infection and how long does it last? So the, the vaccines targeting the spike protein some of them actually instruct the body to make your own version of the spike protein. And once your body makes that spike protein, what happens is your immune system produces antibodies against that spike protein. And, and the spike protein, it's recognized as a foreign protein. So when you're exposed to infection or to the live virus, which is SARS-CoV-2, the antibodies generated in response to the vaccine will prevent infection by the live virus. And what it does is it actually binds to that spike protein and prevents it from entering into the cell, into your host cells. So it's actually blocking the ability of the virus to get into your cells. So you don't get infection at all. Uh, now, immunity to the coronavirus, it seems to last for several months. Previous studies on other coronaviruses such as SARS, suggests immunity can last years to decades. So additional studies obviously will need to, um, need to be to confirm long lasting immunity as a result of infect, of, I'm sorry, vaccination. Um, and those studies are obviously ongoing given that vaccinations have just recently started to the SARS-CoV-2 um, COVID-19 virus. Right. So what's special or different about the mRNA vaccine? To trigger an immune response, many vaccines contain, you know, traditional uh, weakened or an in inactivated form of the virus or the bacteria um, or a part of it, such as a protein or a polysaccharide. Now the mRNA vaccines are a new type of vaccine that teach our cells to produce that virus protein on our, on our own, okay? And so our body basically, it's a, it's a messenger RNA and it gets into your body and it tells your body, hey, make this protein. And so your body actually makes that protein itself and then triggers an immune response. So mRNA vaccines have been held to the same rigorous safety and effectiveness standards than any other vaccines. Uh, and interest has really grown in these mRNA vaccines because they can be developed, <clears throat> excuse me, and mass produced 
with readily available lab equipment, making the development process faster than traditional methods of making vaccines. Interesting. So how long does it take to manufacture the vaccines? The length of time it, uh, it takes to manufacture vaccines depends on the formulation, what, what type of, of vaccine is being uh, manufactured. A rough estimate for one batch of a vaccine is about a few weeks to up to greater than a month. The mRNA-based vaccines can be manufactured more quickly than traditional vaccines or viral vector-based vaccines. So viral vector-based vaccines, uh, and some of them on the market are, the AstraZeneca vaccine is one example, they rely on the use of a cell line to produce that virus vector. And this adds time to the manufacturing process. So but regardless of the vaccine being manufactured, each batch is required to go through release testing and quality control to ensure consistency and quality. Mm -hmm. So why are some people experiencing allergic reactions to the vaccine then? So that's a good question. Uh, allergic reactions to the vaccines uh, have been divided into severe and non-severe. So a severe allergic reaction would be anaphylaxis, anaphylaxis and, and that that's a, can be very severe. And it's not really clear what's causing the severe allergies, but nine out of 10 of those cases occurred among people with previously known allergies. So most had allergies to various medicines such as penicillin, other medical products, foods, and insect stings. Others didn't have any prior known allergies. So it can be difficult to predict who's gonna have an allergy or an allergic reaction to the vaccine. But if you do have a concern, as always, it's important to speak with your physician before receiving any vaccine, not just those for COVID-19. Right. Um, and I think this is the question on everyone's minds. Does getting the vaccine stop one from spreading COVID? So at this point, there's really not enough information to assess if getting the vaccine actually prohibits spread of the virus from one person to another. Now, of course, the intent of the vaccine is to prevent infection. Um, what we don't know is whether people can be carriers without actually being infected. So if I get the, if I get the vaccine, can I carry it and spread to somebody else? So research is, on this topic is still ongoing. And once we have a larger portion of the population that's been vaccinated, there's gonna be a lot more data available to assess the impact of vaccination on transmission. So unfortunately, there's no good answer to that question as of yet. Right, um, and what is herd immunity? So what percentage, I guess, of the population needs to get vaccinated uh, before this is achieved? Sure, so herd immunity actually occurs when a large portion of a community, which is called the herd, hence the word herd immunity. Sometimes it's called community immunity, but that's a lot harder to say, um, <laughs> becomes immune to a disease, either through vaccination or through natural infection, making the spread of the disease from person to person less likely. So depending on how contagious an infection is, Usually 50 to about 90% of a population needs immunity to achieve herd immunity. Right. So that can, be, that can be acquired either through active vaccination or through infection that you'll actually see herd immunity occur.
Great. Um, thank you so much for joining me today, Lisa, and for sharing your knowledge about the COVID-19 vaccine effort, which I think we can all agree is a key discussion topic for 2021. Um, and to our listeners, you can find out more about vaccines and best practices in this In the Zone feature at www.bioanalysiszone.com. Thanks for listening.